everybody. Welcome to episode 56 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And it is hot, hot, hot outside. It's, yes. I know I know. people are saying, rolling their eyes, it's summer. Yeah, we know right. it's summer, but man, <laughs> it is smoking out there today. They actually put out a, a heat advisory for Connecticut for today and tomorrow. Yeah, so, so we decided to uh, step into the library. We're in our favorite little craft room, but a reminder to everybody that sometimes announcements come over the airwaves or you might hear some people passing the room. Yeah. So um, we're really grateful to be in central AC because we both have really loud window units at home and that wouldn't be pleasant for anyone. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Especially on a day like today, they would not stop at all. So what are you currently reading? I am into The Prisoner in the Castle by Susan Elia McNeil. Did I forget the book? Darn it, I didn't bring it with me. Oh, shoot. Anyway, I'm really enjoying it. It's the eighth book in the Maggie Hope series. I read the seventh earlier this year. But I remember yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Set, uh, it's set during World War II. Maggie Hope is a American who has been living in England and gets recruited into the spy network by Churchill. And so right now she's in Scotland on an island as a prisoner with some other agents who knew too much mm. or who did too much. And the bodies are mounting up. So it's a bit like Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, which is cool, but it does, definitely has the World War II spin on it happening. And then, um, and it's cold. They're always talking about putting on their wool socks and their wool pants. That and must just, be kind of nice right now. It is nice, yes. <laughs> I was reading it yesterday on the shore, overlooking some of the Thimble Islands. So these islands that are out on the coast. And granted, they're not remote islands, but I looked up at one at one point. I just was kind of gazing at it, thinking about the story, and I actually got a shiver. <laughs> like, fun. that was bizarre. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, that's Prisoner in the Castle, and that's actually coming out tomorrow, August 7th. Mm. So the day that this podcast goes live, it will Excellent. be available for you Maggie Hope fans. And and I haven't read the whole series. I started with book seven, so it is one of those series that you could easily jump into whatever book you happen to find. But I do plan on going back to book one this fall. Because I really like the character. Oh, great. So you did hop in midway. I did, yeah. How about you? What are you reading? I'm reading a book that I had picked up when I was with our friend Julia at Books Are Magic in Brooklyn. And they have, by their cookbook section, they have this lovely, well-worn leather couch, which put those two together for me. And I was very happy in that section. And I had picked up this book called Buttermilk Graffiti, A Mm. Chef's Journey to Discover America's New Melting Pot by Edward Lee. He does have a cookbook out. I'm terrible. I forgot to write down the name. I think it's called like Bourbon and Smoke or something like that or Smoke and Pickles and Bourbon. And I've looked at it. It doesn't have recipes that, I mean, I'm sure I could find things that I would love to cook, but it's not one that I necessarily will think I'll ever own. But this book is such a dream and it's been so hard. Well, wow, wow. It's been hard for me. I've been on vacation off and on the last two weeks, but I have not been getting much time to read, and I all I want to do is like shut the world out and sit down and read this book. Well, he is a, of Korean descent, and he lives in Louisville, Kentucky. So his cooking melds this, you know, immigrant Korean food with Kentucky home cooking, you know, and his his recipes are beautiful. And what he's done with this book is he's traveling, kind of an Anthony Bourdain kind of way 
to different immigrant communities across America. So communities where a very large contingent of a particular immigrant population has moved in and has really influenced the cooking in a certain region, even though they might be in Detroit. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, he actually comes to Hartford. And I believe that chapter, I'll talk more about it when I'm done, but I believe that one was about Cambodian food. But I have to check back on that. He talks about clam pizzas, you know, which is one of the things we have here in New Haven and what the history of that is and all that. So he really, and he went to NYU and studied writing. So it's also beautifully written. Thank you to Jenny at Reading Envy. I was listening to one of her podcasts where she mentioned it and talked about how much she loved it. And it reminded me about it. And I ran over to the library and got myself a copy. Nice. And at the end of each chapter, he has a handful of recipes that he's gone and studied the culture with some particular people and their recipes, and then he's put his kind of odd spin on them. And so there's about two to four recipes at the end of each chapter. I will definitely make some of them. They look amazing. So so more to come on the next episode once I've finished it. Um, No matter what happens in the next two weeks, I'm shutting out the world (laughs) and finishing it. So again, that was called Buttermilk Graffiti by Edward Lee. Beautiful. Well, I am also reading All Available Boats. This is a book that I found at the book barn up in Niantic oh, the last yeah. time I was up there. So the book barn, it's a big barn or a former barn, but there are also all these little outbuildings around there for anybody who hasn't been there yet. It's definitely a great place to go if you're ever on the Connecticut shoreline. So this one little outbuilding that is just to the right, it's all the current arrivals. I think they call it Ellis Island. I could be mistaken (laughs) with another building that they have. I'm not sure. But I found this book in there, and the title is All Available Boats, The Evacuation of Manhattan Island on September 11, 2001, and it's edited by Mike McGee. It's a story about what happened on 9-11 from a really different perspective from all of the boats that helped evacuate people from Manhattan during the Twin Tower attacks. 300,000 people were evacuated via boats. And so all available boats is the call that the Coast Guard put out that day for all available boats to come down and help. So the book, it has really stunning photos. It's broken down into two parts. The captains of the various boats that responded, not all of them, but the select group, and then the passengers mm-hmm. and their experience with it. And you can see like some of these shots, there are aerial shots. You can see here um, at one of the docks. Well, I'm sorry, listeners, you can't see. I'm holding <laughs> I'm this up to Emily. <laughs> um, maybe we can do a, a photo of it on, on social media in the coming days. But, you know, it's an aerial shot of one of the docks and just hundreds of people lined up to get on. You know, what's interesting to me about that is, you know, they were so careful about the bridges and the tunnels and everything on that day. I can't, my memory is not clear about whether they closed them. They did. Okay, but I know they were being very careful about who they would let in and out of the city, essentially, because they didn't know what was going on. So I wonder how they gave kind of clearance to these boats on the water to be doing those evacuations. That's a good question, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that, well, they closed the bridges to vehicle traffic, I mm-hmm. believe, and so people were walking on them, I believe, right. to get away. But um, for the boats, it's a really great question. I would think, you know, all the boats are vetted, right. but you don't know necessarily who is 
driving them that right. day. So I'm sure right. there was some kind of process. That's interesting. I wonder if that will be answered yeah, you'll in the book. More to come. Yeah, yeah, I've been kind of just spot reading it here and there. And really, you know, looking at the pictures. I don't read a lot about 9-11, but it's definitely a different perspective of that day. Yeah. I'm also reading The Stars Are Fire by Anita Shreve. I've been on quite a nonfiction kick of late, and the other day I was at home and I just thought, I just need to read a little fiction for a minute. And I have literally read the first chapter, so I don't even know what the book's about. It was, I think, All the Rage maybe last summer. I think it was a big summer read in 2017. She's a popular author. She has a lot of books out. What I do know about the book is that it takes place in Maine, which is one of my favorite places in the world. And um, I think it's a historical fiction novel. Okay. Um, And that's all I know. All right. So more to come on that one. The Stars Are Fire by Anita Shreve. Well, I am reading Middlemarch. Ah. I have started it. (laughs) I was reading a paper copy. I also downloaded an audio version. I've been doing more of listening on audio. But I have to say, I think I might stop. Mm. and pick it up again in the wintertime. Too too much for the summer? Maybe. For what with the things I have going on right now, I feel I'm not giving it the attention it really deserves. Yeah. Although it's so enjoyable, and I, I've been listening to it on walks here and there. I never used to listen to audio anything when I'd walk, because mm-hmm. I just, you know, they always say that's the number one thing you shouldn't do if you're a woman not walking alone is have earbuds in your head but I have started doing that for I do it all the time and I have usually one in just so I can hear cars coming Mm because you know forgive me if I've said this before but until I moved to New England I could never understand how Stephen King got hit by a car while he was out on his daily walk and now I know because for one there are hardly any sidewalks yeah (laughs) in New England outside of the cities and so people walk on these little windy two-lane roads yeah. that are usually 25 to 30 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. People usually do 45 on them, and they're curvy. But people walk their dogs. They walk their kids in strollers and stuff. So I could totally see now how yeah. Stephen King got hit by a car. So anyway, when I'm on those kinds of roads, I definitely just have one in just so I can hear. Wow, you're better than me. I just walk. I, I'm just in my own world, so you're smart. <laughs> Someday, listeners. Well, yeah, let's hope. This, yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> nothing comes back to bite us with that. But anyway, it is, it's, I love it so far, Middle March. I, I have nothing bad to say about it all, at all. It's, it's funny. It's thought-provoking. It's engaging. But I just feel like I am not giving the attention that I want to give to yeah. it. Yeah. So well, I think, it's all about time and place for reading. Right. I really believe that. Yeah. So, and it's funny because, you know, I've listened to various podcasts that talk about summer reading and some people feel like you know take on one of the big classics in the summer I am not that way because I have a hard time concentrating when I'm hot oh my so gosh, to me yes. I have to have things that are a little bit lighter mm-hmm. in the summer and I like to do, that's the idea of a beach read to me is something light but I you know some people it's like bring the big tomb on vacation and read that book that nine million yeah. page book you've been wanting to get through and maybe I would if we had me. central air but yeah <laughs> I, I'm the same. Like when I get hot, I get cranky yeah. and I just can't really focus. So that's yeah. probably part of it yeah. too. Yeah. So give yourself a break. Uh-huh. So yeah, middle March, George Eliot. I'll see you in the very near future. <laughs> Once the first snowfall comes. <laughs> What did you just read? I just read Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan, and I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad. I really loved it. 
I was in Chicago and I had taken Middle March with me. I think that was the only book I took with me. And I was at the airport coming back and I stopped into uh, the, the bookstore there, Barbara's bookstore is one of the airport stores. And it was, a sh- it, you, they used to have standalone shops in, in different suburbs like Oak Park, Illinois was my favorite bookstore of theirs, but they, they closed it some years ago. So I went in and of course, you know, I had to buy a couple of books. <laughs> so I picked it up there and then that is the book that I started on the flight home. And I just immediately got sucked in because you know, I wanted to read it before the movie came out. And when the book itself first came out, I remember thinking, well, that's a funny title. And I read the description and I thought, oh, I'm not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But so many of my friends who often like books that I like have praised it. And I thought, I just want something fun. And, and what's funny about it is that it is, it's like a comedy of manners. It's a family drama. So to be reading it while also reading Middlemarch or thinking about something like Jane Austen, there's that vibe in the book. But it's all very contemporary about primarily uh, Chinese in Singapore who are, they're crazy rich mm-hmm. in terms of the amount of money, but they're also crazy in different ways. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. There are two other books in the series. Right. Out already. Out, out already, yeah. yeah. So I think I'll eventually pick them up and um, read it because I really enjoyed some of the characters. It's fun. There, there are some serious things going on for sure within the book. A lot of introspection and some soul searching and relationship explosions and whatnot. But I liked it. And you, you mean family? <laughs> family and love relationships, right. exactly. Yes. You would absolutely adore it just okay. for the food alone. Oh, really? Because there are so many dishes mentioned. Mm. Oh, my God. I was like salivating the whole time I was reading it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Lots of good food. And it's really cool because he has a lot of footnotes Uh scattered throughout explaining what different phrases mean that he uses from different Asian languages that are used. And then also explaining some of the dishes and explaining some of the history going back to colonial times, but then also more contemporary times, like the two really swank schools for boys. I think it's mainly for boys. I'm not really sure. I could be misspeaking on that. But the two really kind of upper-level schools for Singapore wealthy kids and what the two different types of kid who comes out of that go into and things oh, like that. Cool. But the main characters, it's a, it's a guy and a woman. He is from one of these wealthy Singapore families, and he is in a two-year relationship with a woman who is of Chinese heritage but born or raised in the United States for the most part. They're living in New York. They're in this two-year relationship. They're both professors, young professors, newly minted, trying to get tenure. So they're on that track. And then he asks her to go home with him for his best friend's wedding. Oh, wow. And it, it takes Perfect off. Perfect So a, vet- yeah. a wedding is involved, yes. too. So yeah, yeah. you know what that means yes. in a, a novel with a lot of wealthy people. <laughs> right. right? Um, so, yeah. So Crazy Rich Asians, I totally recommend it if you're looking for something fun. And for me, I don't know a lot of... I, I didn't know much about Singapore at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been at the airport for a layover one time, and it's a kick-ass airport. I can say that much. <laughs> um, but that that is only that's the only experience I have, mm-hmm. and it made me want to go and visit. and And I understand that not everybody in Singapore is filthy rich. Right, I get of course, it. So, of course, it's yeah. a you know it just reminds you of places and 
things about different places and travel and fun and all of that. It yeah. doesn't have to be because you want to go visit for that perspective. Right. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny because before we got on our Summer of Little Women, I had sent you something about books. I had come across something about books for 2018 that were going to be made into films. Yeah. And Crazy Rich Asians was the one I said, maybe we should do that as our next read-along. <laughs> yeah. And then uh-huh. go see the movie, but it didn't happen. But I, yeah. it sounds like maybe it will be a read-along of sorts because that's definitely on my radar also because I've seen so many people yeah. posting about it and I haven't seen a single bad review. So, yeah, I haven't yeah. either. I've heard more people saying like, oh, I wasn't going to read that, but now everybody's yeah. know, talking about it more. So, And I think it is. That is a, that is a good summer read. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it. Awesome. How about you? I just finished The Masterpiece by Fiona Davis. It's the book, I think we've talked about it maybe even a couple times now. It takes place in um, Grand Central Station. Fiona Davis is an author. This is her third book, and she writes historical fiction. Her other two books are The Address, which is about the Dakota, the Mm -hmm. building in New York, and then The Dollhouse, which is about the Barbizon Hotel in New York. So what she does is she takes a historic building in New York and then she builds a story around it. And I, as I was reading this, because I love Grand Central Station so much, and she really puts you there. Mm-hmm. And it goes back and forth in time with a woman in current day who's taken a job. Her marriage has gone south. She's had to go out and get a job. She was applying for a job with a lawyer's office, didn't get it, and ended up with a job in the information booth mm-hmm. at Grand Central, which for any of you wow. who have been there know, it's like the center part of Grand Central Station. It's where whenever you want to meet someone at Grand Central, it's the perfect spot because you can't miss it. Yeah. And you can stand there waiting for someone and watch the hustle bustle of the station and look at the beautiful ceiling and... And then the back in time is during a time when they were using the Grand Central Station Art School. There was actually an art school in Grand Central Station, which, you know, as you're reading a book like this, you're like, what if part of it is made up? Because obviously it's not a nonfiction book. It's Mm -hmm. a fictionalized version of events at Grand Central. And what's not, you know, what is made up and what's real. And the art school was a real place. That's amazing. And so the, the, the chapters go back and forth. And the, the back in time is a woman who was an artist at, and a teacher at the school, but when female artists were not getting much notice or praise. And so it's, I think it's a very feminist forward book because she, of course, ends up having to act like a man in order for her art to get any notice. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. And then the current day is the woman who works in the information booth discovers some art she kind of she kind of stumbles upon this section of Grand Central Station discovers some of the art and then the kind of the plot ensues which I I don't want to have any spoilers but I loved it very cool when it first started I was like I'm not sure about this and then I just fell completely head over heels in love with all the characters her writing is I mean talk about an easy wonderful summer read it mm-hmm. just I just got lost in it completely That's so cool. And you know I kind of missed the characters and it was fun to see how there was almost a little mystery piece to it and it was fun to see how it all came together because she also did a really lovely job of bringing the past and the present together. Cool. So and I should say the present wasn't present day present day it was I think in the mid 70s. Okay. So it was around the time when they were looking to get Grand Central was going to be destroyed. Right. And then Jackie Onassis. Onassis is the one who actually 
saved the day, and that's true. Yeah, and she's it in totally the book, is. So. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. That's in, I learned yeah. about that when we shortly after we moved here. I did one of those double decker bus rides mm-hmm. uh, tours in um, Manhattan. And the, the tour guide talked about that, how it was going to be torn down to build a skyscraper, right. like every other building around it. Yeah. And she really fought to keep it. Yeah. Down. Yeah, it's amazing. So um, so I really enjoyed it. The That's Masterpiece cool. by Fiona Davis. Nice. I saw her last year at RJ Julia for uh, the Dakota book that right. came out. And, um, and I really love the idea of taking stories and putting them in a historic building like that. Because the Dakota is where John Lennon was shot. It's where he lived. He was shot out front of the Dakota. And then Rosemary's Baby was set in the Dakota building. Oh, wow. And that's a great novel. I read, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but talk of, you know, you mentioned feminist. It is a feminist novel in many ways. Hmm. Which I didn't see coming when I picked it up because, you know, as a younger person, I'd watched the movie, Rosemary's Baby. I don't think I've ever seen the movie or read the... I know I haven't read the book. I feel like I definitely know of the movie, but I didn't see yeah, it. They're yeah, they're creepy. They're both creepy. And yeah. I the, the book is really a slim novel, but I totally recommend it. Okay. Yeah. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I haven't read any of Fiona Davis's books yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I have all three of them now, so I better get on it. Get busy. Yeah. <laughs> did you read anything else? I did not. Like I said, yeah. I have not gotten much time to read. Yeah. I haven't read anything else either. So now we're on to Biblio Adventures, which I think is going to be the bulk of this episode because we've both been doing things we have we've been places girl yeah Yeah. so i will start i guess i did go before i went anywhere (laughs) but home i did go get a chance to sneak in an event at rj julia in madison james ben was in conversation with kara black and kara black is the author of the amy leduc mystery series um her newest one is called murder on the left bank And that's number 18 in the series. The first one is Murder on the Marais, number one. Of course, if you go to hear her talk, she says these things with a lovely French accent. I say them with my Ohio accent. (laughs) Um, And I got to meet her. I can't remember which number the book was, but I've met her previously. I went to a booktopia in Santa Cruz, California, and she was there. And James Ben is the author of the Billy Boyle series, which was is a series of World War Two. Two mystery books. And he has number 13 is coming out, I want to say at the beginning of September. And number 14, which he, when we saw him that night, he had just gotten off to his editor, has a crossover with some characters from his story meet characters from Kara Black's Oh my gosh, book. that's awesome. I think it's like Amy Leduc's father was a was also um she's a private investigator. That's what the books are and I think she took over private investigation business from her father. Okay. So I think James Ben had the father as a private investigator in his story. I'm pretty sure that's how Interesting. it goes. Interesting. Yeah. Historically, but you know, as happens when you go to these book events with two authors the conversations are so interesting yeah they are and I think the authors appreciate not just you know being in the spotlight by themselves Mm -hmm. and it and they have the same publisher who is I'm pretty sure it's Soho Mm -hmm. Um, Soho crime yeah Yeah. 
So it was a lovely evening. It was funny. They enjoyed each other's company. And um, the Amy LeDuc mystery series, what she has done is she's taken different arrondissements and written stories based on them. And she spends a lot of time in France. I think she lives half the year there or something. So she really knows what she's talking about. And the story that she tells is she was visiting France and she had a young son in preschool at the time, I think, or he was off somewhere and she did a tour with someone and she went to the old Jewish quarter and heard a story about a young woman that when all of the Jews were shuttled out of France, she had been at school and she came home to her apartment and her family was gone and she was 14 years old and there was a concierge of the building between the concierge and this young, resourceful 14-year-old girl she was able to live by herself in this apartment for the rest through the rest of the war and never saw her family again and she was so taken by that story that she I believe the first book and I may be misspeaking but it somehow got her very interested in writing mysteries and being enthralled by the different arrondissements and the history of each of them and then writing books that take place there So it was a really lovely evening. And as I said on social media, if you have never heard of these authors between the two of them, I mean, James Ben has his 13th coming out in September. Um, Kara Black's on 18. You know, there's a lot of books you can read if you you decide you like the series. So I know a lot of people like both series and the Kara Black. A lot of people who travel to France regularly love to take your current novel or whatever neighborhood they're going to right. with them to yeah. read while they're there. Yeah, I fun. love to do that when you're heading somewhere, which is part of why I picked up Anita Shreve's new book because I was heading to Maine. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't get to read any of it when I was there, <laughs> but I had the thought. So, And then I went, when I was in Burlington, I got to go back to Crow Bookshop where oh. I had been there in November. I love this bookstore. And they have such a good selection of used and new books there. It's very small, but Mm -hmm. you can really spend a long time. And I picked up, I didn't buy anything for myself, but my son Jacob is about to embark on a very long three-month trip to Southeast Asia with a group of high school students. Or no, I guess just graduated student Mm -hmm. high school students. And I bought him A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving which is a book that on occasion, depending on the day, can be in my top ten. Okay. And he's never read it. So All I thought, right. oh, this is a good one for a trip like that. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I read that one not, just a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. And um, and I went to Maine, and I passed a bookstore, but I was traveling with other people who weren't interested in a bookstore at that particular moment. So. Evil people. I know. Can you imagine? Oh. And it was like 95 degrees out. I'm like, what better thing to do than, you know, but, and it, I believe it was in Portland and I believe it was called Sherman's Books. Oh yeah. They're a main chain. Yeah. There's yeah. a Sherman's in Bar Harbor. Okay. Yeah. So I'm the not... thought was there, Sherman's Books, but yeah. I have to get back to Portland on my own to get to you. So. Exactly. It's not that yeah. far away. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't hit any other bookstores in Maine. That was it. Yeah. I didn't even, I just did a walk by. <laughs> It was terrible. It's so painful. I know. It's very painful. And we also drove past some beautiful little libraries. And it was like, I had to actually have a conversation, internal conversation. Like, you are on vacation with someone else who has different ideas of fun than you sometimes. So, 
And we were only gone a couple days. But See, anyway. the, the compromise of relationships. Exactly, exactly. Well, what we do for love. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you did a big that's trip. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I did. I went to Chicago. Um, I was back for a family wedding. So one day, my mom and I went bumming around on that Monday because um, she's she's retired. I mean, my mom's 79. She's going to be 79 this month, and she still works one day a week wow. on Tuesdays. Um, so anyway, so we took Monday, and we went uh, into the city to see the American Writers Museum, which is really cool, really great to see. But first, so we, we got there, and the first thing we were doing was going to lunch at the Berghoff Restaurant, which is a old family tradition and one of the older restaurants in Chicago it's been around for a long time you know talk about immigrants arriving places and you know their food and everything the Berghof is traditionally a German restaurant and now it's considered um, old European is what they call oh, it interesting. yeah because they've expanded their menu a little bit but my mom was telling me some funny stories like I remember going there when I was a little kid because she said we used to take the train and go down and like with grandma and go oh, wow. shopping, and then we'd we'd have lunch there and go back. Like I remember being little, but not you know super tiny little. But she said as as soon as I could walk on my own, she would take me. Wow. So <laughs> I've been going there for a long time. Um, but she told a funny story, just as a little backstory, because all the waiters there used to be men. They always were dressed very nicely, and most of them spoke German mm. back like in the seventies when I remember my earliest memories anyway. And my mom was such a regular that they often messed with her. (laughs) So, like, one time she, you know, she was getting her uh, after-meal coffee, and they used to bring it out in a saucer, in a cup. So she's going to pick it up, and it's... It's not moving. Oh, no. And she's, you know, she's like, what's going on? And there's my grandmother across from her drinking, you know. And she looked over, and the guys were standing there laughing at her. They had put a suction cup on it. Oh, So my. she couldn't move it. So they did. that's the kind of fun place it, it has been. And it's still family-owned and operated. And historically, it was the first restaurant after Prohibition was repealed to get its liquor license back. Oh, wow. So that's a, they have that's their a liquor, fame. liquor license in the window, yeah. So anyway... When we were walking there, we were walking past the Pritzker Military Museum and Library, which my mom had never been in. And so we went in, and I showed her around a little bit. And that's a really cool place, too, if you're in Chicago and you want to go to a different kind of library. They always have a great exhibit going. Their current exhibit is on World War One. They have wonderful artifacts and you know really great information. They have a permanent exhibit on the Medal of Honor with a lot of Medal of Honor winners' medals that have been uh, given to the museum over the years. And they have great events there. Um, You could check out their website because they actually stream some of their events. Oh, nice. I used to attend their events, but then I've also watched them streaming, which is a really great thing. I'll put that in the show notes. That's very cool. After the Pritzker, after lunch, then we went to the American Writers Museum and and had a really good browse through it. It was pretty hopping that day. Oh, that's Um, good to see. It was a Monday, and they're normally, they're they're only open on Mondays in the summertime. Okay. Um, So these are summertime hours, and they had a special exhibit on Frederick Douglass going, which was really neat because it had... His fountain pen holder, mm. with it was like these stags with their horns, wow. which was really cool. And he was apparently the most photographed American of the 19th century. Really? Yeah, like he was one of the first people to really utilize photography 
for promotional purposes. Huh. Which I think is really fascinating. Yeah. I don't remember the number of photographs that were taken of him, but there hmm. are a lot. Because I remember reading about Walt Whitman and his fascination with photography and you know, having himself photographed at different ages to kind of track his aging. Hmm. And I thought that that was a unique thing, but then apparently Frederick Douglass wow, was doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah, so really it was a fun time. Um, they have a lot of interactive stuff. Like Colleen, we'll have to find out what episode that was and put the yeah. link, because Colleen Olson, our friend in Chicago, had given us a little recon report. Was that last year? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'll okay. look up the episode. Okay. Yeah. And then we ended the day by going to see the new Gwendolyn Brooks statue um, down on the south side, and that was so cool to see. It was just installed in June on what would have been her 101st birthday. Now, does she have a tie to Chicago? That's the one thing yeah, I didn't she know. Yeah, okay. um, she wasn't born in Chicago. She was born in Kansas, but I think the family moved when she was just a couple months old. Okay. So she grew up there, and most of her poetry, much of her poetry is centered on race and growing up African-American and being a woman. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of her, the, she's known as being a poet and she won the Pulitzer for poetry when she was only 35. And I believe she was the first African-American woman to win the Pulitzer for poetry. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. But she did write one novel called Maud Martha, which I did think about taking with me because I found a copy up in New Hampshire. Right. A couple, well, maybe last year. But I decided to wait, so I didn't read that. But we went, my mom and I, and we took some pictures, and we walked around. It's a really cool installation. So you have the statue of her, and around it are some wooden stumps that people can sit on, kids mainly. They're very short, more for kids. And then there are stepping stones that kind of curve around it and go back behind it to what is uh, like a, a wooden deck, a platform that's symbolic of her porch. Because she was known for riding on her back porch and observing the neighborhood. So people can hang notes to her on that porch. Because, like, on the back, there's, like, a, a a mesh. I can't think of the word. Like a screen, kind of, almost. Yeah, not even a screen. Yeah, wood, though. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, where people can hang notes to her oh, or their own idea. poetry to her. So that was lovely. I'm really imagining that the teachers in the area will take kids on field trips there yeah. and and have it be a really great outing to, to get out of the classroom for one and then learn about a local right. poet who was, you know, nationally, internationally recognized. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it was a fun day. So um, the American Writers Museum episode that we did with Colleen was episode 27 okay. for any of you who want to go back in time and hear what Colleen had to say when she visited. And there's some cool pictures, too, that we have up on the website from, mm-hmm. from her visit. Yeah, so it was really great to finally see it Yeah, and, that's and, and visit. And I wish them luck. I, I hope that they continue to grow. And Well, it's good that you saw lots of people there. I mean, that's a good sign. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, because it was a summer day. Chicago's become such a tourist town. I mean, the tourism has really increased over yeah. the years. I mean, it's kind of shocking because after that, we went to the Chicago River Walk, which is a walkway along the river that used to be pretty much deserted, but they've really built it up. And now there are restaurants along the walkway and bars, lots of things to do. Yeah. Full of people. See, I don't know. I feel like I, I have that. I mean, I sound like an old fart, but I feel like everywhere I go now, I just feel like there's so many people. 
I just think we have a larger population now. Yeah. I don't think it's that, you know, I'm just noticing it for the first time or, you know, I just happen to be in more popular places. I just think there are more people. There are more people on the roads and in places. Yeah, more people have more cars. Yeah. Because a lot of people didn't have a car or they had one family car. Right. And now, like, every 16-year-old. Right. I shouldn't say every 16-year-old. We're not better. We're not (laughs) just But yeah, no, but definitely, I mean, this, that part of Chicago, that's the loop. Yeah. So that's the downtown, the business district that stretches from probably a little bit further south than the Art Institute all the way up to the Riverwalk. Yeah. And it is tourist central. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And, you know, cameras, so many different languages being spoken. See, I like that part. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great thing. Yeah. But I wanted to give my mom one of those, uh, a nitro coffee from Uh Starbucks. Yeah. They were all sold out. Oh, wow. All along Michigan Avenue. Out of coffee? Yep. That's Well, out of the nitro coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Sorry, mom. Yeah. Next Next visit. Yeah. 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 So then also I saw our friend Suzanne. Our Booktopia friend, we got together on Sunday. We met in Naperville, Illinois, which is a meeting place that was... I, the first time we met there was because of an author event. Mm, that's nice. right. Yeah, and so that that's kind of become where we meet. So I was doing some work at the Barnes & Noble, and she came and met me. And then we walked over and had some deep dish pizza. Nice. Yes, I enjoyed. You took lots of pizza pictures did, when you were yeah. in Chicago. Well, I my favorite them. pizza is Homer and Inn pizza, which I had right away Friday night when I got mm. in because that is like, you know, mother's milk to me practically. <laughs> it's the pizza I grew up eating because I grew up just three blocks away from the original oh, Homer and Inn pizza, okay. you know. So that night, though, the current owner died. Oh, that's of Homer and pizza. My mom woke me up the next morning saying, oh, my gosh, wow. we just ate pizza and you're here. It was wow. like some kind of weird convergence. Yeah. So anyway, so the deep dish, though, was Luminati's pizza, right on. which is OK. I'm not much of a deep dish fan, but I will never turn away a pizza. Right. I would say Chris Wolak. Yeah. Pizzaing through Chicago. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so I had pizza twice. And then, so anyway, after we had uh, lunch, Suzanne and I walked over to Anderson's Bookstore, nice. which is there in Naperville. They have a couple locations in the suburban area, I think three now. So we did a nice browse and there. They do great events. Oh, we'll put a link great. in the show notes. Okay. They, yeah. They're known as being an event. Powerhouse, and I think two out of the three times I saw Louise Penny in the Chicagoland area were through Anderson's in Naperville at North Central College, which is right there. They usually have her in one of the bigger halls. Right. She draws a crowd. Yeah. But the first time I saw her was in a teeny tiny bookstore up on the north side, one of those northern suburbs. I can't think of the name of the bookstore right now. And there was like maybe 20 of us there. Wow. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Things have changed. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was nice. It was good to be back. I think it was the first time in almost three years I was in Chicago. Wow. Is that... Could that be? It, I mean, time just flies. Yeah, it I can't does. believe that. Yep. Oh. True that. So what about any upcoming adventures? Oh, you know what? I have one more Biblio adventure to tell you about. Oh. Actually, two. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm we, sorry. We, I didn't mean to jump in. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just looking at my note. Um, Yesterday, Sunday. Was that Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yes. It must have been Saturday. Sunday. So Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is looking at me with a blank stare. Like, like, what you know, day is it? It's heat stroke. Yeah, it is You know, heat. it's just it like is. my brain yeah. is fried. Anyway, I went up to the book club bookstore and more on Saturday 
to see our friend John, Valerie, in conversation with Emily Arsenault. Oh, yes. I yeah. wanted to go to that event. It was really cool. Her new book is The Last Thing I Told You, which sounds really good. I have a copy here. I have a copy, too. Yeah. Um, so, a mystery, thriller, a young... Well, a woman who, I guess, committed a violent crime in her younger years is now a patient of a therapist who's been found bludgeoned to nice. death. Oh, yeah. Yes, and so, of course, they find two files that he pulled of two of his, I guess, past or current patients, and hers is one of them. Uh. So, (laughs) dun-dun-dun. But, yeah, so Emily Arsenal, it was a fun event. I got there late. It was crazy. There was an accident on 91. There was flooding Mm. going on. Mm. We had torrential downpours. Downpours. Pours. Wow. Um, but it was a really fun event. It was nice to meet her. And, you know, John always does a fun event. Yeah, he's too. great. Yeah. But then on the way home from that, I stopped at a brand new Connecticut bookstore, that bookstore in Weathersfield. Oh, that was their grand opening. Yeah, that was their grand opening weekend. out of town. Yeah, yeah, they had their ribbon cutting ceremony on Friday. So I was there on Saturday. They had an author there. And I met Karen and her daughter, Belle, who are the two owners of the bookstore, Wonderful. which is really cool because we've been watching their progress on social media. Yeah, they've had a newsletter. You can go. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, they have a newsletter you can sign up for. We signed up for it quite some time ago, and so you could get updates from them on their progress. I mean, they were sending out newsletters before they even had a space yeah. for the bookstore, so that was really cool. Yeah, and so the space that they have is a brand-new space. It's a standalone, cute, adorable little building nice. with two big windows in the front, and really, it's just a nice space. Oh, good. And, I'm and, so glad you got yeah. there. And we, we ch- chatted a little bit. And, you know, with any new bookstore, it's hard to tell what your population is going to want to read. So right. they'll be figuring that out in the coming weeks and months and no doubt adjusting over the years because people right. grow and age and taste sure. change. Yeah. But they had a really good YA section nice. and a nice fiction wall and a couple other adults subsections that I enjoyed looking Excellent. at very much. So, oh, I can't yeah. wait to go. They had journals, coloring books, some nice sidelines, like out-of-print mm-hmm. type sideline mm-hmm. things. Yeah, so it was good. And she's going to be hosting a couple off-site events, I think, that are going to be at the local high school, she said. So, like, Amy Bloom oh, is nice. going to be there. So we'll have to put that, uh, that bookstore on our list of yeah. potential event spots. Exactly. That's, exact, that's yeah. exciting. And good. they have a restroom. Which is that's nice really to know. nice. Yeah, it is. I have to say, <laughs> if you want to be able to think, <laughs> you know, for me, the two go together yeah, at this point. Yeah. You know, so but, you know it was cool because you know after coming from the book club bookstore, which is a small independent bookstore, which also has a restroom, um, <laughs> to going to that bookstore, it made me feel like kind of like pre Borders Barnes and Noble. Boom. Because yeah. back in the 90s and earlier, you didn't have Barnes and & Nobles and Borders everywhere. You had these smaller independent bookstores, usually. I mean, granted, I grew up in Chicago, so there were big, big bookstores there. But in smaller towns, it was usually just a small building yeah, and very kind of locally curated interest with some New York Times bestsellers. Yeah. So it's I mean, I grew up in a town of 3,700 people, and there were two bookstores. Wow. So I was pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, one of they had very different, you know, selections, obviously, mm-hmm. but 
yeah, I mean, it's nice to see them making a comeback. Yeah, I saw statistics recently that, I don't know, in the last decade or two, there's been a 40% increase in the number of independent bookstores. Yeah, Yeah. so it's great. Great. Yeah, wonderful. So welcome to Connecticut, Karen and Belle. We, We wish you guys best of luck. Absolutely. Upcoming adventures. I have no, I don't have much because okay. I've been out of town. And actually, I think August is a bit of a slow month for events because I did check out our local bookstores and there weren't many things seemingly going on. I did, however, when I collected my mail <laughs> this morning, got my 92nd Street Y Fall 2018 oh, nice. book, which I have not had a chance to look through yet, but I know that there will be some fun events in yeah, here. Definitely. And then the Cougars have a big, big event coming up in September that I'm just going to talk about real briefly, oh. right? September 27th. Well, I have an event I'm going to go to this week. I'm okay, you want to do that go first? Just really quick. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's going to be at Bank Square Books in Mystic, Connecticut, and it is Wick Griswold and Stephen Jones talking about their book, Connecticut River Fairies. Oh, nice. I love fairies, and, you know, I like maritime anything for the most part, but I didn't know that. Connecticut has the oldest continuously running ferry in the country. It started in 1655. And is it the one that goes to Long Island? No. It's one that it crosses the Connecticut River. Oh, I've yeah. been on that ferry. I know that ferry. It goes, I can't think yeah. of the towns. Right? Is it Morris to Stonington or something like it's that? something like that. Yeah. I've been on that. Yeah, yeah. it's really short, as yeah. you might imagine, because the Connecticut River is not very wide. Yeah, so yeah. different boat, but... It's been in operation since 1655. You know, when you said you love fairies, I, that's not the fairy yeah. I thought you were talking about I at love first. all kinds of fairies. <laughs> yes, I do. So that is on Thursday, August 9th at 6.30 p.m., Bank Square Books. Excellent. Yes, make I'm sure going to do my best right to make it. I know. I double-checked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything I'll, else, or can we talk about our September event? There's one more August event I'd like okay. to plug. It's at the Institute Library in New Haven, Connecticut, and they're doing a thingathon. We did one of these a couple months ago. I th- I've mentioned on the podcast that we're trying to digitize. I, I always say that wrong. We're not digitizing the books. We're getting the collection online right. using library thing. So digitizing in that way. The catalog. The catalog, getting it up there. So that is going to be on August 24th, which is a Friday at 10 a.m. So for those of you who may work on the weekends and you're free during the week if you want to come and do some cataloging with the really great historic books that they have and more contemporary stuff too it'll be a fun time yeah so okay now i'll stop talking you don't have to stop talking i want you to keep talking (laughs) on september 27th the book cougars in tandem with bank square books and mohegan sun the casino will be hosting a historical fiction panel from 7 to 9 p.m September 27th. The tickets are now available for purchase. Oh, great. Yeah, um, via Eventbrite. You can either go to Mohegan Sun or Bank Square Books. Actually, probably better to go to Bank Square Books, I think, website. And I'll put the link in the show notes. $5 general admission. Um, There are going to be four authors there with us. Fiona Davis, author of the masterpiece that I just talked about. That book will be published on August 7th, which is tomorrow. So the day this podcast airs. Melody Winower of the scri- wrote the book The Scribe of Sienna, and that book is currently out. Yeah, my mom and my sister. My, actually, my mom's currently reading it, and my sister just read it, and they both enjoyed it. Excellent. 
James R. Ben's Solemn Graves, a Billy Boyle World War II Mystery Number 13. That doesn't publish till September 4th. Marie Benedict Carnegie's Maid. That one is out. It's already been published. It came out in January. So please come join us if you can. Yeah, we would love to see you. Yeah, Yeah, September 27th. We are going to be hosting a giveaway. We have one of each of the books to give away. I think we're going to do it as a batch, but we haven't discussed. So we will discuss discuss. that further and. On an upcoming episode, maybe in maybe the next episode, mm-hmm. we'll aim for that. Yeah, we'll aim we'll for that. We'll talk about a giveaway. We do have. You can subscribe to us. I didn't quite. Know yes, we have that. a we have an email that we're we're going to be sending out a monthly email at right. least once a month. And if you subscribe to our email list, you'll automatically be entered in any giveaways that we do. Right in the future. So if you yes. go to our website, there is a subscribe tab and you can go there now i will also put a link in the show notes yeah um for you to subscribe we promise never to sell oh yeah we won't sell you things share your address because that's just lame yeah yeah that is lame yeah plus i don't even know how to do it folks (laughs) (laughs) let's be clear i'm I'm not a professional (laughs) but anyway we would love for you to subscribe and just you know any every once in a while if there's something exciting happening in the cougar world we will send you an email absolutely like a giveaway or whatever but um yeah so that's a big exciting event we have coming up it is yeah and then i have i do have a solo event too that i'm doing under my wild moo books hat um Kimberly McCrate, I'll be moderating an event with her on September 17th at the Book Club Bookstore in South Windsor, Connecticut. So check that out, too. We'll put a link for that as well. She has the Outliers YA series and then um, at least two adult standalone novels. Right. Mystery. Yeah, Yeah, you're going to get a crowd for that one. Yeah. That's a popular series. That's exciting. Looking forward to that, yeah. And for those of you who forgot... Chris does blog at Wild Moo Books, and it's a fantastic blog. I highly Mm, recommend. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) You're very good. You do a lot of posts. You know what? I've always tried to do just one post a week, at Mm -hmm. least. That's always been my goal since I started it. You say that so nonchalantly. That seems like a lot to me, but, you know, you do it. Yeah. You keep at it. Well, it's kept me even keeled with it, because I know I've seen a lot of bloggers burn out over the years. Like, they come out swinging, they're doing three, four, five posts a week, Yeah, you know, and they're reveling in it. But usually by the two-year mark, if they make it that long, they're burnt out and they never blog again. So I didn't want that to happen. I just like to talk about books and write about books, and it was a great place for me to do that, you know. And then now I have this wonderful podcast with you. Oh, thanks, Chris. It's so Book much love. Fun. Book love. <laughs> Another thing that's coming out too is the Wyndham Campbell oh, Award right. at, yeah. at uh, New Haven at Yale. That is in September as well, September twelfth through the fourteenth. I put it on my calendar this year. That's great. I did look at the schedule, so we'll talk okay. about on the next episode. Maybe we'll talk about some cool events because right. they do. They have uh, some really really interesting ones. Yeah, great. Looking forward to that. Wow, we've been talking about a lot of events and a lot of Biblio adventures. How about, what are you reading next? Upcoming reads. I have one, The Still Point of the Turning World by Emily Rapp. That's R-A-P-P. And this I heard about um, from Todd Goldberg of Literary Disco fame. Mm -hmm. And it's another memoir. I seem to be on kind of a big memoir jag. And it's not an uplifting one. Mm -hmm. This is a woman, she's a a writing professor. She has some other books out. And this one is about her time with her son, Ronan, who was her first child. 
and he was diagnosed with Tay-Sachs disease, which is a really rare, always fatal mm. degenerative disorder. So the kids are expected to die by the age of three, and he did. Oh, God. So it's her story of her time with him and the joy of her time with him. And that's what I've heard about it is that she's funny, her writing is funny, and she took something that was, you know, pretty much one of the most awful things, in my opinion, that you can ever have happen in your life and survived it and had another child, I believe, and lived to tell the story. So that's all I really know about it. The other book she wrote was Poster Child, a memoir. So she must be a memoirist. Cheryl Strayed, the author of Wild, blurbed on the front, an intelligent, ferocious, grace-filled, gritty, astonishing starlight of a book. Wow. That's pretty high praise. Totally. So The Still Point of the Turning World by Emily Rapp. All right. Yeah. Cool. What about you? You know, I have two on my radar. One is review copy that I received from one of my favorite YA nonfiction writers, uh, Catherine Atwood. Oh, yeah. Her new book is Courageous Women of the Vietnam War, Medics, Journalists, Survivors, and More. I know I've mentioned it before as mm-hmm. a potential upcoming read, but I'm definitely going to be reading it um, nice. as soon as I finish my current read. Because I've, I've always really enjoyed Atwood's books. You know, you learn about different people and you learn about the history and you learn about women during wartime, right. which is not something that's been recognized. So yeah. she's done a lot of digging to uncover these women. And then the other one, it's going to be Mrs. Dalloway by oh, Virginia wow. Woolf. Yeah. So I'm in the, in the Classics Club, which is an online book club of people who like to read and blog about classics. I should say read and write about classics. You don't have to have a blog to participate. You could do it on, do your reviews on Goodreads or Instagram, okay. wherever. So every now and then they do what they call a classic club spin. Hmm. So... The idea of the Classics Club is you make a list of at least 50 books, 50 classics that you want to read, and then you give yourself a five-year deadline in which to read them. Five-year, yeah. So I'm on my, I'm still on my first list, but I've revised it a couple times, and I did a a revision again recently just to kind of breathe some new life into my list because, you know, taste change, as we talked about. So anyway, they occasionally do a Classics Club spin. It's where you take 20 of the books that you haven't read yet and you put them in order, whatever order you want them to be in. And then on a certain date, the club moderators pick a random number between 1 to 20. And that book, whatever number it lands on, that's the corresponding book you read. Oh, how fun. So I think it's totally fun. And I think it's um, it's just a fun way to build excitement about reading classics and talking about classics and everything. So my lucky number was nine, or everyone's lucky number was nine, right. I should say, which was, um, for me, Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf, which I'm looking forward to. I tried it in the past, many moons ago, and couldn't really get into it, but it was also before I was into World War One, mm. and this is a, about a woman, it's a stream of consciousness novel about a woman post-World War One and... Her looking back on her life and looking at what's going on now. And so I'm actually looking forward to it. Excellent. That's yeah. great. So um, how many books are on your list? Do you know? Well, I'm, well, 50. I mean, when I, the book club, the, the classics club has only, it's been around for five years. 
And I know my first list, I put 100% Wow. And I was just like, dude, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so my first revision was cutting it down to 50. Okay. And then this latest revision was just switching some in and switching some out. And I, I think I've read maybe a little bit over 20 of the 50 wow. at this point. That's good. Yeah. Excellent. And I haven't always written about the books, which I want to get back into doing, mm-hmm. like Maurice. Yeah. You know, we read that last year. I never wrote a post about it. I'm sorry, do you mean Morris? Oh, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> I should kidding. say apologies to Ryan because he was the first one who told us yes, how to right. pronounce that correctly. So. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and then I have a someday read. Um, it's a horror novel called Song of Kali by Dan Simmons. I just heard about it today. Hmm. And it, I, it's not going to be a, a near read, but I do like to read spooky, creepy books. Around October, yeah, like so many other people. So I'm putting it on my future list for that Excellent. as a possible. We don't have it in the Connecticut library system. You have to request it. Yeah. They'll get it. I've had really good luck with that so far. And once the new system is, too, that they'll put it on hold for you. Mm-hmm. If they honor your request and decide to buy it, Yeah. then they'll automatically put you on hold, That's a nice which is feature. nice. Yeah. There's a new thing, too, on the... Guilford Library, like there's a new Connecticut wide system that it pops you over to. Oh, did you? It, I, yes. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. just noticed that today yeah. when I was looking for yeah. that. So cool. All right. Very good. Well, this was fun to catch yeah, up. I, I know we haven't seen much of each other because we've both been going in opposite sides of the country. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Happy, happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to the Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online. Join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.